Hello and welcome to the Trouble with the Snap podcast. I am Tyler Hayward alongside Jeremy File, like always, and unlike always, so with uh, Carter Denbrock as well. We were going to, uh, like I said last week, me and Jeremy, we were going to break down, uh, you know, BTN's all-decade football team as it rolled out with uh, Spartans and Wolverines. Obviously, Devin Bush was selected today as one of the linebackers, but things changed at about 1.40 uh, Eastern time as Amoni Bates committed to Michigan State. And, Jeremy, you kind of have uh, mixed feelings about him and what he brings to the table, and we're obviously going to talk about that as well as uh, some of the questions that lie ahead. So I'm going to go ahead and let you get started um, on this topic. Um, well, I think it's a great move. Um you know, for him to commit to Michigan State, because I think it is the best fit for him collegially. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of talk about him not even playing in college, but I think that Michigan State was uh, did their due diligence. They worked harder than, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Jawan Howard uh, to get him. And, uh, you know, I think this is a great fit for him, too. I think he needs to be tough. You know, he needs to play more physical. This is a program for him. Um, I don't Honestly, I don't think it's going to happen, but at the same time, I think it was a good decision. I mean, a lot of things changed today. I mean, we, we noticed the prep school uh, situation, and that's something I've been calling for for the whole year. Um, it was It's good on all ends. I mean, it really is. It's great for Michigan State. It's great for him with the prep school. Uh, all positive, really. And uh, maybe he'll uh, start lifting weights now. Yeah, Carter, I know uh, you obviously think he's going to Michigan State, and I, you were thinking it for a while, even when the uh... – G League thought process uh, was kind of in full swing. That's obviously backed off now. I think most of us are starting to, you know, kind of side with you on that just because of that issue. Um, but you also uh, follow recruiting a lot more than Jeremy and I do. This is obviously an exception to the rule for us. You know, what do you make of this situation? Well, I think, uh, first of all, besides his talent, that he will help bring a lot of other recruits to MSU just because of his now his prep school, which has a lot of other MSU targets on there, but also just because of how big of a name and how good he is, that other players want to team up with him. Yeah, I mean, when you when you look at that, uh, I think uh, Akins is on that prep school roster that uh, was kind of released. And, I mean, obviously this was – it was kind of – I mean, to me it kind of felt like a promotional tool for uh, his dad, um, as bad as that sounds, um, you know, instituting this uh, prep school for Amoni to join. And obviously, you know, him and his dad do have a very tight-knit bond. And um, I mean, th- this did feel a little bit funky. No, I don't think it's funky, actually, Tyler. I mean, honestly, like, I don't really have any relationship with them. I live in the area. I know people that know them. I know I've worked with people that work with them. I, I think it's a great move prep school-wise. I, I think it's one. Oh, joining, what they need. joining prep school is a big, a big deal. I, I think that's huge for them. I, I don't think even the self-promotion rubber is even the problem. I, I don't think – I've never had a problem with anything they've really done. I think the biggest thing that needs to happen for Imani Bates is he needs to be challenged. I mean, he needs to play against better players. I don't think any of the other stuff matters. In this day and age, um, the extracurricular stuff, the promotional stuff, honestly, that's just the world we live in. I mean, look at, uh, you know, LeVar Ball and what he's actually done for his kids. I mean, you know, look at look at his son right now. 
I mean, look at Melo. He's about to be a top five pick. So look at what it, wor- it works right now. This is the world we live in. What I want to see, though, is I want to see the kid play better competition. And that's going to happen now. So I think that it's actually really exciting. I think it's exciting for the area. I think it's exciting for Imani Bates, for his father, for the AAU program. Uh, I think you kind of get away from the worry of rules. You know, there's not a, there's barely any rules in prep school basketball. You can pretty much do whatever you want. I've seen it firsthand. Um, you can get a lot of different kids to come to this school. And, to- boy, I'll tell you what, for the state of Michigan, this is great. I mean, this is great to be able to have this type of energy and excitement. But, uh, honestly, the last thing I want to say about that part is, we don't know exactly how it's going to go, but I do know this. I know they'll have a good schedule. I mean, anytime Imani Bates is on a prep school team, the schedule is going to be high octane and, and loaded. And uh, so we're going to really see some great basketball and it's needed for him. It's really needed for his future. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm definitely right with you there. Cause that, I mean, that was some of our uh, topics conversation, you know, before we like dedicated ourselves to Michigan and Michigan State, you know, we talked about the prep school scene in the state quite a bit and how it needs to step its game up, and it's about to do that in a big way over the next year at least, uh, maybe two. I just, again, like like I said, I I don't – the whole thing just has this feeling of sketchiness um, just because – you know, Bates was so destined for the uh, NBA, and then his father came out a couple days ago. And I mean, Carter, again, you weren't buying what you were uh, trying to be sold. Yeah. With them, I feel like a lot of this is for publicity. Like, the when he came out and said, yeah, he's not going to prep, he's staying at Lincoln all four years. Like, I thought, you know, that probably won't happen just because – like, who's going to play Lincoln in the state of Michigan that isn't a prep school? They, no one would really want to. Yeah, I mean, the only school that we've really seen give Lincoln a run for their money, I think, was uh, Hanover Horton. <laughs> and uh, just because our alma mater uh, well, let me, let did, me say this real did quick, pull Tyler. me upset. Let me say this real quick about, you know, Imani and, and that program. So Ipsy Lincoln, number one, they, they've had a fantastic two years. I think what we've noticed is they ran into a couple teams that were a little more, you know, more competitive than what they're used to. Um, you know, they, they got ran off the floor by Ben Harbor, who probably would have uh, won a state championship this year. Um, you know, I think that not only, and I said this to you before, Tyler, not only does he need to play against better players, he needs to play with better players. So I think that basically does that right now. And, and what Carter said was a great point. You know, this is going to be great for Michigan State to get better players they're already looking at on the team, and he gets to play with that. So uh, it's a win-win, man. As much as um, the hype train's crazy uh, about the kid, I'm really excited for all of it. I, I think that this is what we need. We've needed a prep school for a long time in Michigan uh, that's powerful, that has some, uh, you know, some name behind it. And, uh, hey, the Bates name is big right now. I mean, it's all over the place, you know. I mean, wasn't he just on ESPN a couple hours ago? I mean, you know, this is a big deal. Yeah, and, I mean, th- this is something that obviously drew the attention of a lot of other people, too. Um, you can look at Mel Tucker tweeting about this even, um, saying why this is why Izzo's the coach of the decade. Um, 
you look at Darian Harris about it, Draymond Green, Anthony Ayani, who, you know, is a frequent flyer on this show. Like, all of these guys are just so hyped about this. And, I mean, I get it's only for one year, but you look at the potential backcourt, God, especially if he reclassifies, this is going to be an insane group when you throw him into the mix with a guy like Rocket Watts. Right. There's no question. I think there's no question. And I think that the reclassifying thing is an option then, you know, if, but I, I think the prep school thing, you know, I've had a little bit of experience with it. And I want to say this number one, you know, if he plays two years of prep school basketball, he'll be very mo- much so prepared for the NBA more so than if he reclassified um, and, and played one year of college. I truly believe that you guys may think that's crazy, but here's the reason why. It's two years where he's going to play against probably some of the best players in the country at his age and even maybe a little older. And number two, I think that, you know, this is a situation where he will be broadcasted live a lot. You know, I'm sure they'll have some games on ESPN. They're already mentioning with LeBron James. It's going to happen. ESPN is going to put him on games. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with COVID if there's going to be a season. But if there is a season and he's playing prep school ball, guess what? Those are national televised games. So I think that it's absolutely – uh, huge for him to do this for two years or even one year. Um, but the rules, I was talking to Carter about this. The rules are basically saying in 2022 is when this should open up. So two years of prep school ball, he'll be ready for the NBA. If he reclassifies after one year of prep school, I mean, that's good to go to Michigan State. They're, they're going to be loaded. They're going to be a bear to beat. But I actually believe it would be better for him two years of prep. He'll go right to the NBA because that's where they want to be. Well, well, in NBA here, rules, the NBA. Is, is All right, so we did have a little technical issue. And, uh, it looks like we are all back. But, uh, Carter, you were just going to make a case about uh, Jeremy saying, you know, uh, if he plays two years of prep school and the NBA allows him to uh, come out right away, uh, you know, that may be an option. Yeah, the NBA, uh, they hit like a, I don't know what it would be called, like a road stop. And now, like, I read a few articles that said this won't, like, they won't allow it until next CPA, which would be in 2025. So I don't think that he would be able to leave prep school early. So I think it would just make more sense for him to uh, reclassify and go to the NBA at the same age if they did allow. Yeah, yeah, and I mean uh... – that, that, that was the exact same point I was going to make is 2025 looks like uh, the year they're going to end up doing this. And so well, I, I have to cut you guys off. I've said this to you guys multiple times, but that's not true. Um, number one it is if, if it happens early, you know, the earliest is 2022. So I guess let me correct myself. Um, the latest would be 2025. So maybe you guys are right on that. But they, they plan on opening this up in two years. I mean, this is something they've talked about for two years already. So the G League thing is just the beginning. The G League thing where kids can go out of high school there is just the beginning and the first straw. Um, I know there's a lot of reports, so I'm sure, you know, we've all read things, but 2022 is absolutely when Adam Silver wants to roll this out. So, and that's the reason why the Bates family has mentioned it so many times, where that's why they've said the NBA so many times. So um, it's an absolute possibility. I'm not saying it's 100% for sure, but it's very much so a possibility that we'll see that. Because they yeah. want to do that. Are you talking about it? Yeah, 2022 is definitely, uh, you know, um, the want to get things uh, 
is when they want to get things done. Um, but like Carter and I said, it does look like there are a couple things in the way of that happening. Um, and on top of that, he did make a statement today that he would rather go to college than, than uh, the G League, which is what the option would be at that point. You know, it's not going to be, you know, he's going to go straight up and get drafted by the Pistons and, yeah, like right out of prep school. You know, he would have to go to the G League first for a year. And, uh, you know, he just said that that isn't the route that he wants to take, even though, you know, uh, fellow classmates, Jalen Green and whatnot, have said that's probably what they're going to do. And so, yeah, yeah, this really, this, I mean, so I think regardless, you know, he does end up in a Michigan State uniform. Um, Carter, you're our big uh, recruiting expert, more or less. Um, Obviously. Obviously, everybody makes the comparisons to Kevin Durant, but what does he bring to the table? Um, he does need to work on some things, especially on like the defensive side. He needs to get stronger. But on the offensive side, he's very close to Kevin Durant. He was a little bit more advanced at this age than Durant was. So I think that you can expect very similar things where he's not going to be the strongest right away, but he'll get the job done, especially on offense. Yeah. Um... Jeremy, what about you? Um, I, I think the thing he's fantastic at that uh, people have mentioned a little bit of is he's a fantastic ball handler. For someone his size, he really has great control over the ball. Um, obviously, we know he can shoot it and score. There's no question about that. A lot of people talk about his strength as being an issue. He's already gotten a lot stronger and a lot more explosive, and, and you can just see one of his workouts recently. I mean, it was unbelievable how much stronger he looked. Um, you know, he's going to – I think he's going to get a lot bigger. If you look at his father, I mean, he's a bigger guy. I think you'll see his size just develop, you know, you know, routine, routinely as he grows older. Um, I think the one thing that he has to get better at, and it's not his fault, he's going to have to learn to play off the ball and not have it in his hands all the time. If you guys watch him play, I mean, 90% of the time mm-hmm. he starts with the basketball, and that's just not going to be the case at the next level. He's going to play off the ball. Um, he's going to have opportunities to come up and play with the ball in his hands and, and be the point. I'm telling you guys right now, he he's a he's a he's a long, tall point guard at times. I mean, as far as scoring the ball, I mean, you guys have seen it. He's unbelievable with his handle. It, it's on a string. Um, it's very much it's a sight to see for someone that tall to be able to dribble that well. Um, but I think playing off the ball, being able to you know use his teammates, at which every player needs. Um, is going to be key. He's going to be able to have to pass. He's not a bad passer. He just doesn't seem to need to do it very often. So, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun to watch him. I mean, you know, I'm the type of guy, I don't love the hype. So I'm always going to question things, but really he's just a very good player. And, and uh, you know, I think that he needs to grow certain areas, but that's everyone. I mean, that's everybody even in the league needs to get a little better. So uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch him. Another thing is uh... – He's very underrated uh, rebounder. He can, you know, with his height and length, he can just kind of go over people. And, you know, he doesn't have, like, all the fundamentals or whatever. But uh, with his size, especially in high school, he's a great rebounder. Yeah, yeah, and, I mean, that's where that strength is going to come in. I mean, he's not going to be able to jump over people, you know, obviously that he does in high school, you know, going against, you know, whatever seven-foot-two Purdue center rolls out there but I mean as long as he can get a little bit of positioning his his vertical is um, something else that a lot of people don't really seem to uh, 
notice just because it's all about his height and his length. And, uh, you know, Jeremy, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, Izzo doesn't necessarily run these pro offenses where the best player has the ball in his hands, you know, 90% of the time. Right. And I think that uh, that is something that, you know, Michigan State, I think, is the one school you're looking at like, yeah, they don't really do that. Of all of the schools in the country, Michigan State's the one school you're like, you know, they they can find a way to make it work and uh, run a bunch of sets for him, but he's not going to bring the ball up the floor and just – Izzo's not going to let him just bring the ball up the floor and let him go at it. Well, he needs to get better at, and it's it's again, it's not of his fault. It's just because he's so talented and he can dominate. He's going to have to be accustomed to coming off pin downs and coming off Iverson screens like Izzo does, and he's going to have to be able to move without the ball. And he's going to have to, you know, he's going to get stronger. And I really hope that they put him in uh, the mid post a lot because I think he's fantastic with his fadeaway and he, he's his turnaround jumper is is so smooth. So as he gets stronger, I think they'll play him in the post a little bit. I've been saying that for a year now, where he's going to need to develop a post game, you know, a mid post game like Kevin Durant has. Um, I think he. He's going to be the type of kid, this is the only thing that's going to hurt him. And I said this to multiple people and even people that are close to him. He's going to have to handle some failure well because he's going to fail eventually. You know, every player gets beat eventually. So and gonna, when he does, Tom Izzo's going to rip him a new one. Well, even before that, if they play prep school basketball, I got news for you guys. There's going to be some players that give him some work. You know, there are going to be some guys that go at him a little bit. And plus, he's a big name. So there's going to be some nights where, you know, he's not just dominant. And, and, and what happens when, there's, when he's not fully dominant? That's when some media comes, you know, right? They've already did mm-hmm. the Ben Harbor game. A kid outplayed him a little bit. And they started talking about it. And there was a lot of hate going on. And, you know, that's what comes with being the best player. So he's going to have to handle it with a great attitude and say, hey, I'm just developing. I think they do have a sense of humbleness the way they work. They work extremely hard. I mean, they grind. They grind as hard as you possibly could. So it's just going to be a matter of you lose a couple games or you fail or the ball's not in your hands. How do you handle it? Yeah. And he's going to have a target on his back. He's going to have a target on his back for a lot of games, too, just because of, like you said, that name and uh, how hyped up he is. So he's going to have to learn how to deal with that, too. And not like right now he like gets into some fights. He's going to have to learn to like, like let it just go not take everything so personally, you know? Yeah, and I mean, his uh, demeanor, the way he kind of carries himself on the floor, and, uh, you know, he's been involved in a couple of, you know, scuffles, shoves, exchanges, and those types of things um, at the high school level, and he's going to need to straighten that up as, uh, you know, Tom Izzo's the last person in the world who's going to want to deal with it. And so we'll see how it all transpires. But look, I'm I'm sure it's something he's going to get together. I mean, the guy like just got his driver's license this year, or last year. So you know that that maturing is obviously going to uh, come along um, as he you know physically and emotionally develops. And look, the, I I just couldn't believe this the way the news cycle kind of ran with this at first it was oh he's going to sign with an agent at 16 and then it became uh oh you know what he's uh gonna announce going to a prep school then it's 
oh, he's actually making his decision about where he's going to attend college already. Did uh, the fact that nobody really hit him up because everyone was kind of anticipating uh, the one and done rule being done by 2022, uh, did that play into the the reasoning for him announcing today? For sure. Um, because I feel like he, like he said, he loved his uh, loyalty and he felt that loyalty from MSU, who's been recruiting him since he was like 12. So I think that, yeah. especially after they, they were the only school to call him, I think that really helped them out a lot. And I think that that kind of pushed them over the edge to get him today. I'll be honest with you guys. I'm a, this is, uh, this was a curveball committing to Michigan State, and I thought it was absolutely outstanding. I thought it showed a lot of class on the Bates family. I, I think it showed, you know what, they, they proved to care about me the most, and everyone else kind of thought, you know, I would turn my back on college ball, but not these guys. So here we go. Let's commit. And I thought that was great because, you know, what happens nowadays is these kids kind of walk around. Uh, hmm, let me think of the guy uh, that Michigan just lost to Arizona State. Uh, who cares? Yeah, you know, who who cares? Because, you know, this guy walks around and he thinks he's, you know, the man and, you know, he, he's flirting around for his senior year and all of a sudden, boom, you know, at the end, Monty Bates said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to commit now. And then this is where I want to go play college basketball and let's do it. Now things, things could change. That's the crazy yeah, thing. It, it could change. But I just thought the way he committed to them and their family did that was really respectful because he could have played and flirted with them and, and played, you know, I'm the big guy. Hey, thanks for the commitment. I'll, I'll, I'll make you wait for two years. No, he didn't do that. And uh, I liked that. I really did. Now, does he stay? Does he go? We don't know. I mean, anything can happen with these kids. But yeah, I just and it thought depends it was on the NBA thing. role more than anything. And, right. yeah, I mean, the most interesting part about this whole entire thing until rumors started circulating um, this morning, Michigan State had no idea what the what was going on. And obviously, like I said, the entire community from Draymond Green to Mel Tucker to Darian Harris to Anthony Ayani, uh, anyone who's attended that university just got well. It's a know, family it's there. I'm not trying to cut you off, Tyler. Let me say this real quick, though. It's a family there, and, and I'm I'm sorry, I got a rant for just. 10 uh, seconds. There it Mich- is. He's stuck in there. You know, I got to ran for 10 seconds. Give me a 10. 10, 9, 8. Michigan, you are full of shit. Get your life together. You got a kid who's eight miles down the road, and you can't even text him at, at midnight, Joan? I mean, come on. Give me a break. This is a joke, and this is a show that we have a rivalry, and guess who's the joke again? Michigan. Again. So I, I'm just blown away. I, I that's the other part that's mind blowing. But they get it. They deserve it. They just yeah. The, the the fact that Juwan Howard, especially with the ties to U of M, the of it, um, the fact that Juwan Howard wasn't trying to make more of a play on this. I mean, I think that does kind of speak to his lack of experience in the college realm. I mean, he's knocking recruiting out of the park for this first year. He's going to have a lot of talent. Is he alive? I mean, is he alive? He wasn't at midnight. He was not awake at midnight. Um, oh, but, hello, wake up, man. Yeah, so, he, I mean, it just shows how green he is around the hills in regards to this. And, uh, look, he, he's able to pull a lot of talent just because of his name and uh, the fact that Beeline built this school up. Uh, but, yeah, I, I feel like the lack of chatter about 
Amoni Bates to U of M. I think that really indicates a little bit of an issue. But then again, you know, Coach K slept on this kid. Coach Cal slept on this kid. God, well, Penny Hardaway couldn't even pay for this kid. Let, let me let me say books. this. Look, uh, let Carter go. Carter, go ahead, Carter. You got. I know you got a lot to say about this too. Go ahead. Imani has said, like I, I've seen things where he said that he didn't like Duke. He doesn't like uh, how the run or anything. So I think that kind of took Coach K. Like he didn't really want to pursue him. In Kentucky, that one did really surprise me that they didn't even really attempt, and like they offered him, but that's it. Like. It's that's not a very Coach Cal thing to do. Just like not go after one of the top three recruits ever. That really surprised me. Well, they will. They'll go after him. The, the thing about it is, is that everybody's going to still go after him. You know, just because a kid commits doesn't mean that really anything right. anymore. But at the same time, this is right. my this is my point when, when we talk about Michigan versus Michigan State. Look, Cal and, and K are not done. They're they're still waiting in the woods and and they're gonna do there's there's gonna be some things that happen, believe me. But I'm just absolutely appalled that when you have a kid who's this good in your backyard, I'm just shocked that Michigan didn't do a better job of pumping it up. And that just shows the true arrogance of Michigan that they thought that this would be maybe easy. Oh, we got Jawan Howard. They'll fall into our laps, you know. There's some connection there. Yeah, this will be easy. Tom Izzo kicked Jawan Howard's ass and just like the first game of the year. And this is what happens. This is why Michigan continues to fail. It's the attitude. And, and I can't believe that this kid was not put on a pedestal by Jawan Howard in Michigan because he was not, Tyler. He was not at all. They completely half-assed this recruitment. And honestly, if I was the Bates family, I wouldn't even look at Ann Arbor. I wouldn't even look down the road. I mean, why? I wouldn't even go down there. Yeah, well, they might be looking down the road in a couple of years or whatever uh, to watch Amoni Bates hang 30 on the Wolverines. <laughs> but look, that I mean, all of that is still you know, yet to be determined as far as the NBA stuff goes. Uh, 2022 is the goal for Adam Silver, um, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Um, just based on the fact that it's starting to look like it may be more on uh, the next CBA. And so that is obviously going to play a big role. Um, The reclassifying situation is also going to be key. Although I would love it if he reclassified, I'd love to see uh, Gabe Brown and uh, Amoni Bates uh, play next to each other in the starting lineup with Rocket Watts, you know, three guys who have worked out together for, you know, longer than just a couple of years. Uh, these guys have been together. Um, there's videos of Brown and Bates, you know, shooting together and working out together and Watts and Bates doing the same. And so I'd love to see those three in the backcourt. I think it'd be just a fantastic run for Michigan State. Obviously, uh, the talent helps a little bit too, but the camaraderie of it all, you normally with guys like this, you're concerned about an ego. And he's obviously, you know, friends with a couple of guys he's going to be running with, potentially. Should he reclassify, he'll be running with Brown. But, yeah, obviously we'll break all that down, um, you know, as stuff progresses. Uh, Jeremy and I will still hit up uh, the Big Ten All-Decade team for football. We'll talk a little bit more about Devin Bush's selection as well as, 
you know, whatever other Spartans and Wolverines appear on this list. Let me, let me ask you this, Tyler, before we go, I want to ask you this question and Carter can answer it as well. And and I know you guys will love this question because, you know, you guys are diehard Spartans. What does this say about Michigan basketball when Jawan Howard has already lost his best recruit once to Arizona state, which that's fine and dandy. I know he's a West coast kid, but let's just not say he lost to a powerhouse. Um, he seems to love to lose to Bobby Hurley, though. But anyway, um, you know, I, I, what does this say about Juwan Howard? Because everybody's like, oh, he's a master recruiter. And, oh, my God, he's going to get all these great kids. I mean, I love the big fella. I love Hunter Dickinson. I think he's going to be very, very good. I think he's going to be a slower Mitch McGarry. And Mitch McGarry was fantastic until he started smoking too much pot. But, you know, he was a great player for him in that 13 run. My question to both of you is, what is this – though because his best asset is what recruiting and he can't even get the kid down the road so what does that say about michigan basketball right now carter I'll let you field this first well um i think first of all it says that they're not really respected on the national level is you know beeline was from i don't know 13 all the way up until last year i don't think that recruits uh like think as highly of uh juan as much as Juwan thinks they do because, you know, just because of his name in NBA, I don't think that recruits really aren't that attractive when you can't coach and you can't even pull a kid eight miles down the road. So I just don't think that uh, Juwan is really the move for Michigan. I think that they should have went somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, I, I look, Juwan can still get kids. It's not, I mean, missing out on one recruit doesn't really mean anything. You look at, uh, you know, Zion Williamson, he didn't even make a Final Four. You look at Kevin Durant, he didn't really uh, do much collectively as a team. And those are the two guys well, that – Yeah, but, I mean, those are the two guys that Amoni Bates is getting talked about, right. uh, comparatively speaking, as far as how dominant of a recruit he is. And so, look, it doesn't mean it's the end of the world for John Howard and Michigan against – uh, Tom Izzo in Michigan State? No, absolutely not. I know this. I wouldn't want to play against a six-nine small forward who has in the gym range twice a year, maybe three times a year. Um, I mean, that, that that would be my only concern. I don't think that it necessarily seals the deal on Juwan Howard's ability to recruit or get players. You know, like I said, this year's class is dynamite, and he did it with a short amount of time. Um, obviously, Beeline helped set up, you know, but this is his best thing, though, Tyler. I mean, this is his point is this is his best asset. And you are getting out-recruited by who? Your neighbor. <laughs> I mean, right. It's, you, it's, his, it's his best asset. But I think it's laughable. I, mean, I think it's absolutely laughable. But Tom Izzo is a pretty solid recruiter, too. And it's not like he's a pushover, even though his stuff is more X's and O's than stars. Um. You know, he, he is still a good recruiter. And so, no, there's no shame in uh, – especially when he's been – like like I said, there's been other coaches who have cooled on him for n- no reason whatsoever. But, and so, yeah. But to, this is the problem, Tyler. This is – I'm sorry. I, you know, I'm on a roll today. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got to say it again. But this is where Michigan continues to fall short because they think – they think that they can recruit better now with Juwan Howard. They think – they can recruit better with Jim Harbaugh, but guess what? They're always second fiddle. Ohio State recruits better in football. Michigan State still kicks their butt in recruiting in basketball. So my point is, uh, wake up. 
wake up. And then John Beeline, I'm a fool because I used to knock the guy. He figured it out, said, I can't beat these guys, so I'm going to go my different route, and I'm going to recruit this way. George only going after five stars, Tyler. Well, you've got a five, like one of the best school players you And I think people are going to see it. And this is an absolute wake-up call where Jawan Howard better look in the mirror and say, ooh, I didn't know that Tommy Izzo was that good. I did not know no, that he I, was going to kick my butt. Yeah, I, I think it needs to serve as a wake-up call as far as his recruiting because, like you said, and like we said, he, he can recruit off name alone and off the brand alone and all that type of stuff. So I think it needs to serve as a wake-up call, but at the same time, it doesn't mark the end of his error or anything or, you know, the first nail in the coffin or anything along those lines. Well, but, it's over. You know, they suck. The, the, only, the, only way, the only way to see what happens is, you know, just to – let it develop. At the same time, you know, yeah, he should have put more effort into Emoni Bates. And I was shocked that Bill Self, Coach K, Coach Cal, and all these other guys, I'm just insanely shocked and awed that they did not go after this kid, that they didn't put in near the effort that Izzo did. To put in the effort that Izzo did, that would have taken a lot. Well, Kansas is a little bit of a problem right now. Their, their bank account's a little short right now. So, you know, they, they might need a couple more uh, years to figure out yeah, these things. Their, fun, their funds were frozen for sure. So, yeah, yeah I mean, these, these guys, I mean, they're all going to be fine. Um, Izzo didn't, like I said, put the nail in Juwan Howard's coffin or anything like that. You know, he, he may have gotten the coffin ready. He may have opened it up. But – this isn't like burying him already. And look, Izzo doesn't have a lot of time left. So John Howard may be able to take over the state when the next coach steps in. Will he be able to pull a guy like Bates? I mean, we don't know because he didn't put the effort into it. But like I said, that's all stuff we'll be able to see down the road. And we'll obviously cover it on right here on the Trouble with the Snap podcast. But we got to hit it for Carter Denbrock, Jeremy File. And myself, I am Tyler Hayward. This was the Trouble with the Snap podcast. We'll be back later this week to talk about the Big Ten All-Decade football team.